let me start off by asking you a question. If you could describe the sort of life that you wanted those nearest and dearest to you to have, what would it look like? How would you describe it? What sort of things would you want them to, to cherish and to value? If you were to be forced to choose some adjectives which describe at the end of that life, looking back, what the life was like, what sort of words would you choose? Okay, forget about those who are nearest and dearest to you. Turn the attention, turn the camera and focus around to yourself. What do you want from life? What do you want your life to be like? My guess is, whether you're speaking about um, nearest and dearest, those closest to you or, or yourself, some of us will be able to give extremely specific answers. We've got bucket lists, we've got um, career paths all marked out. This is what I want my life to be like. I think as well, we'd be able to package that all in some reasonably vague terms. We've got adjectives to describe what sort of life we'd want our nearest and dearest to live and for us to experience as well. I'm certain though, that no matter what answer you will have given to either question for, for others or for yourself, all of the answers that we could give would fall under the umbrella, the bracket of the sort of life that Psalm 1 says that is offering each and every one of us. In um, the translation, which I prefer to use, this is how Psalm 1 dangles a carrot in front of us. How happy is the one? How happy is the one? Rachel's just read Psalm 1 to us from the NIV and it begins by describing it as, blessed is the one. No matter how specific or general or vague your answers were to those first questions of what you want life to be, I'm guessing we'd happily bundle it all and package it all under this title, this heading of a happy life. You want those closest to you to have long and happy lives. You want your life to be a blessed life, a life full of blessing. That isn't particular to us, I don't think, in this culture at this time, but throughout history, uh, throughout geography around the world, people have, have always wanted to have happy, blessed lives. Now, what a happy life looks like, or, or the sorts of things that leads us to happiness, certainly there'll be disagreement. But in that description, that overarching, that ultimate description, everybody wants to have a happy life. I mean, what's the opposite? What's the option, the alternative to get to the end of our lives and to say, I was truly unhappy? Or to get to the end of our lives and to say, I was happy at points, but I'm unhappy now. It's madness to think that anybody would want that. So in that sense, Psalm 1 is a psalm that all of us should want to read. Psalm 1 is a psalm that all of us should want to pay attention to because what it says that it's offering is something that we all deeply, deeply desire for ourselves, for our friends, for our families, for our communities. We want happiness. The weird thing about Psalm 1, though, isn't that it offers us something that we all want. 
but that it starts by describing how we don't get it. Happy is the one who does not. Who does not walk in the advice of the wicked. Who does not stand in the pathway of sinners. Or sit in the company of mockers. Now when you put it in those terms, it, it, it kind of seems obvious, doesn't it? They're, they're negative ways of describing life. No one wants to be bundled in with the wicked, with sinners, with mockers. But the psalm is saying a little bit more than that. The psalm is saying that there are ways, there are thoughts, there are ideas, there are places and priorities that we can have in our lives, which perhaps will seem fun, will bring happiness for a moment, but they're not truly where happiness lies. That happiness lies somewhere else. Somewhere that the world around us, perhaps even our deepest, um, most darkest selves, somewhere other than where we would naturally go. And where it suggests that we go is somewhere that might surprise you. Happy is the one whose delight is in the Lord's instruction. Happy is the one who goes to Yahweh's words and meditates them on them day and night. That's a real shocker when you think about it, isn't it? And one that instantly we might disagree with, or at least we could come to the conclusion could never be true for me. Because it presents itself almost like a simple formula. Pick up a Bible, read it, and be happy. Pick up a Bible, read it, and be happy. And a lot of our experience is exactly the opposite of that. Perhaps you have read the Bible before and you've experienced disappointment in life. Perhaps you've committed yourself to reading the scriptures morning and evening for a whole week and it's left you feeling empty. Perhaps you are someone who has been in and out of God's word for a decade or more and you don't see yourself as a happier person because of it. Let me let you in on a secret. What's being described here isn't that simple formula of come to the Bible, read, absorb some information and go away happy. I actually really like the description that JP gave at the start of our service this morning. He phrased it like this, that the happy person is someone who has committed themselves, dedicated themselves to God and to living according to how God has made us to be. The happy person is someone who doesn't go elsewhere to understand life, doesn't have a priority away from Yahweh, but comes to God first and foremost. You see, the happy person isn't finding pleasure in rules and regulations, but ultimately he's finding pleasure in the one who gives those rules and regulations. If I could put it like this, the happy person isn't someone who's dedicated to religion, 
but someone who's dedicated to a relationship with their creator. The blessed individual isn't someone who's obsessed with particular practices, but someone who's obsessed with a particular person. It's also important that this happy person that's described in Psalm 1, this way, this path, this formula of how we and those closest to us can live happy lives, it's, it's so important that it's centered around not a book, but a God. Not just law, but Yahweh's instructions. That the difference between those people who aren't happy and those people who are happy, first and foremost, make a beeline for the one who created all things. I think actually, ultimately, it's a question of two things, two P's, priority and perspective. Priority, what are the things that we value most in life? And perspective, really, are we looking short-term or long-term? Now, when I think about priorities and assessing the things that are important to me and helping you to assess the things that are important to you, I wonder if there's a more effective way than how we spend, how we manage our time. See, time, over and above money even, is the most precious commodity we have. We spend an awful lot of it sleeping, wonderfully so. We spend an awful lot of it working, and that's necessary. And actually, for the majority of us, when we take away our sleep, when we take away our work, we have precious few hours to spend as we truly please. And when we analyze that time, it really does shine a strong light on the things that we prioritize in our lives. I was thinking about the time that I spend outside of work, outside of sleep, outside of eating meals, which again is another glorious and necessary part of being alive. And I was a little bit worried about the conclusions that I was able to draw. How much time I actually spend spending the free hours that I have online, on social media, watching TV and what have you. I was so worried actually, I decided to look to see whether I was a one-off, if I was a special case, or whether this is symptomatic of more of us in the modern world. You know, the statistics for social media use are frightening. On average, in Europe, those people who have access to the internet spend two hours and 24 minutes each and every day on social media. Of those precious few hours that we have to spend as we please, we prioritize social media so much in our modern lives. Two hours and 24 minutes a day on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat or TikTok or Pinterest or some other new marvelous app or website that I've never heard of. Two hours and 24 minutes a day. Now, one of the things I noticed about those statistics when I looked them up is that they didn't even touch upon things like Netflix or iPlayer or Sky TV or Amazon Prime, whatever it is, is your streaming or, or TV and movie um, delivery system of choice. I looked up Netflix 
and how much time their subscribers um, spend on Netflix every day. Uh, and they said in 2019, again in Europe, the average was two hours a day. Two hours and 24 minutes on average on social media, another two hours each and every day binge watching comedies, dramas, thrillers, TV shows, movies, whatever it is. It shows something of my priority and your priority and our priority, doesn't it? That where we focus our time, where we focus our attention is these digital distractions. These places where we go where, with a short-term perspective, we think we can get a short, sharp hit of happiness. But here's the thing about those places, about those ways and means that we pursue in order to be happy in the short term. They're ways and means that don't last. They aren't true sources of happiness, of blessing. They don't lead us to be, as the psalm describes, people who are like trees planted by flowing streams. Not in parched desert lands, but well-watered trees. Trees that bear fruit in season. I've struggled with my tomatoes again this year. I know what a, what a joy it is when a plant bears its fruit in the way and in the time that it's supposed to. These things, these distractions, they don't make us to be like trees that are evergreen, that have leaves that never wither. You see, we're going to the wrong sources and a big part of that is because we've got the wrong perspective. We keep thinking short-term when we should be thinking long-term. The psalm, by the way, is not promising health and wealth and prosperity. It isn't promising a life day by day by day that's carefree, happy clappy, all smiles and skipping and dancing with no interruption. You know, some people under the, the guise, under the name of Christianity have promised that. And when things like a global pandemic hit, they go scurrying for the shadows. When something comes along which truly does wipe away our wealth, wipe away our health, wipe away our false sense of security, we're left to ask, can anyone truly be happy? Can we be happy in a strong and a stable and a lasting way? The psalmist, I think, says yes. When our priority, when our focus, when our emphasis is on the one who lasts. And our idea of happiness isn't momentary and fleeting, but enduring. We can have that sort of happiness. So let's just do a little thought experiment then. Can we think of an individual, a human, who truly was dedicated to Yahweh, who truly was dedicated to the Father in heaven? If you were going to pick someone out of human history who modelled this sort of priority and perspective, surely it would be Jesus Christ, who completely entrusted himself to the Father's will, who unashamedly and unmovingly um, followed Yahweh's instructions. If we're going to pick someone out who had a long-term 
vision of happiness and blessing and prosperity over the short term, surely it would be Jesus. But what's interesting when we look at Jesus's life, when we analyze him, it was a life that was filled with the sorts of things that we would say point towards the opposite of happiness. Jesus experienced, let's name it, poverty. He experienced rejection. He was slandered. He was bereaved. He was abandoned. Ultimately and crucially, he suffered and died as an innocent person. And yet, more than anyone else in history, he could look back and he can now look forward and be described as one who was blessed, one who was happy. Why is that? It's because he knew that happiness, happiness can often be a fleeting thing. And when we look to a source that is temporal, to a source that is vulnerable as our source of happiness and joy and peace and hope and fulfillment and throw in any other words that you want, when we look to something that is fragile, well, when that thing is taken away, so too is the happiness that it supposedly gives. Psalm 1 verse 4 says this, The wicked and the ways, the means, the goals, the things that we prioritise and we go to for these short-term hits, we go to them as if they're going to give us long-term, lasting pleasure and joy, and they fail to deliver because they're like chaff. Here's the picture that the wind comes and it blows them away and they're gone. The wicked, their priorities, their ways, their means, they will not stand in judgment. When the time comes, it says they will not survive. They will not endure. But can we think of something that stands the test of time? Can we think of someone who can be a priority, who can be an emphasis, who can be a center to our lives that lasts? The Lord says, Yahweh himself watches over the way of the righteous. That's why the man who dedicates himself to Yahweh's instructions, to God's word, is happy. Not because there's a straight line between reading your Bible every day and um, experiencing life in the most wonderful way, but because ultimately his priority, his hope, his joy is founded and focused on Jesus. On the word made flesh, on the Alpha and the Omega, the one that always was and the one that always will be. That no matter what life in this foreign land throws at us, even death will not shake, will not take away, will not cause that happy person, that tree to shrivel up and die. Instead, that one, that source of eternal living water and life will constantly and always flow. That's the way of the happy. That's the priority. God himself, and that's perspective. 
not simply short-term, but long-term, eternal perspective that leads someone, that could lead you and I, could lead those nearest and dearest to us to be truly happy people. Christ, unlike the other things that we go to, is one who lasts. How do we sum this up? The psalm presents us almost with two ways to live. Either we go to God, we focus on God, we listen to him, or we go to others. We listen to others and we search for highs in amongst the lows. Let's not kid ourselves, there is a third way. It's, it's to ignore God, it's to ignore others and to go our own way. That really is just to ignore God, isn't it? When our joy is found when it is settled on anything else really, anything other than our eternal God and the Son, the Word made flesh. When it's found or settled on anything else, all we are doing is setting ourselves up for disappointment. All we are doing is setting ourselves up for heartache and grief. But here's the promise of this Psalm, Psalm 1. Here's the promise of all the scriptures, really, that when our joy, when our hope, when our peace, when our confidence, when all those things, when they're found and focused on Jesus, because he is one who will never be taken away, those things will never be taken away either. Do you want to be happy? Fix your eyes on Christ. Do you want to experience life as a blessed person? Then don't look simply at the moments, but look at the bigger picture. Look at the fact that you were created and redeemed and will endure forever with your Saviour, Jesus Christ. How happy, how happy is the one who doesn't walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers, But instead, this happy one has their delight in the Lord's instructions, in Yahweh's instructions. He meditates on them day and night and becomes like a tree that is planted beside flowing streams, that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. The wicked aren't like this. Instead, they are like chaff that when the wind blows, It's blown away. The wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked leads to ruin. We know how to be happy. We fix our eyes. We fix our hearts. We prioritize, and we press on towards the one who will not be taken away, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.